opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show actually is about dating. You know, we talk about love and we have a wonderful guest to talk about her new book, which is called Seeking Soulmate, Ditch the Dating Game and Find Real Connection. And this is really wonderful because we're sitting on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, and a lot of relationships are born here. I remember my first husband. That's where I met him at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. So dating is the place here, and we want to help people to ditch that dating game and to find a real connection. We're all looking for love. Let me tell you about our wonderful author, Shamin Ajan, and she is um, coming to us from the East Coast. She's a licensed clinical social worker who has been in private practice since 2004, and she's blogged extensively about mindful dating, and she developed a mindful dating model that she uses right with her practice. She lives with her husband and children in Brooklyn, New York, and this is her first book, Seeking Soulmate. So we're just thrilled to have her. Shamin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mari. I'm so excited to be here. What a privilege. Yeah, you know, mindful dating. Boy, that that uh, that doesn't sound like an oxymoron. I don't know what does. <laughs> Most people... This is all the buzz, so we had to find a way to be uh, mindful while dating as well. Exactly. No, I think it's wonderful because I I, I don't think that um, a lot of people do mindful dating. They, they see someone... You know, they're, all of their juices start flowing, and they don't think anymore mindfully. They're just, like, letting all of their hormones and everything rule. So mindful dating seems to make a lot more sense to me. Yes, that's exactly right. Your feelings and your thoughts take over. You're on autopilot a lot of the time, and you're not focused on really what's happening in the here and the now. So mindful dating is a really great approach to be able to see what it is that's right in front of you. Exactly. So how is it that you came to focus on this topic? So I have been in private practice since 2004. I was in my uh, mid-20s at the time, and I think people come to therapists who reflect who they are um, often, and so I was getting a lot of women in their 20s and their 30s, and that's the time that you're really super focused on finding that partner 
And so they weren't coming to me necessarily because they were looking uh, for help with dating. It just kept coming up over and over and over again. And I was realizing that it's causing so many people so much distress. We need to figure out a better way to do it. And, you know, nowadays with this online dating, I think that's kind of hard. I mean, you know, in my day when I was dating, it wasn't like that. I mean, I mean, I have friends now my age who are looking for love after divorce or after being a widower or a widower. And um, it's, a, it's a whole new ball of wax. So, you know, it's like you don't know who the person is that you're communicating with. And, you know, whether it's Tinder or Match.com or any of these things or our time. I mean, it looks to me, I've never done that. Um, my paralegal and I had fun on Tinder looking at all the cute guys. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I know my daughter is in, you know, 31 and she's done that and she decided to just take a break from it you know it's it's really hard it's hard it can be really hard and it can be a lot because it's so accessible it's right there on your phone you've got five different apps going all at once it's overwhelming you know all your senses are overloaded and it's much different You're, you're right because it feels a little bit less personal in that you're not actually interacting with somebody in the flesh initially. And I think it's also helped contribute to some of these dating practices like ghosting, where you just feel like it's um, reasonable for you to up and leave without telling the person that you're not going to be dating them or communicating with them anymore because you don't see them as a real person. And, And I hear from people that say, Oh, you know, I got broken up with by somebody by a text message. You know, it's like who yeah, does that? Say now, fifty percent of relationships that start with online dating end by somebody emailing them that they're breaking up with them. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness! I mean, that's not very mindful. You know? No, it's not very mindful. <laughs> it's not very. Uh, um, it, 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 it feels not very human. Right. right? Exactly. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, you guys are doing that out there. Stop it. Right. Stop it right Bad now. Behavior. <laughs> now, you use both mindfulness and cognitive behavioral therapy, which we're going to say CBT, right. to, to help with those dating problems and turn their, you know, get people to turn their luck around. So you might as well, at least I know what both of those are, but for my audience, could you kind of explain what you mean and how they really interact? Mm-hmm. Okay, so cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, is a treatment uh, model used by therapists. Um, it's one of the most evidence-based treatment models, and basically, if you want to kind of shrink it into you know a short sentence, CBT is all about the interaction between thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Thoughts affect the way you feel, feelings affect the way you behave, and behaviors affect the way you think and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so that's CBT a little bit in a nutshell for you. And then mindfulness is all about being focused on what's happening in the present moment and doing so in a non-judgmental way. So a lot of people are aware of what's happening in the present moment. They're aware of maybe negative thoughts that they're having, um, but they're judgmental of those negative thoughts. They're telling themselves they're so stupid for thinking these things. Um, so it's about learning how to be present 
and observe what's happening and doing so with compassion for yourself in a non-judgmental, less self-critical way. And so combining those two things, we're able to approach dating in a much more kind way and a way that helps you to be able to process what's happening in the moment and be less reactive to what's happening in the moment. Because face it, dating brings up a lot of feelings. It, uh, you know, before you even get on the date, you might be feeling anxiety. And if you're having trouble with dating, then there's all kinds of distress and negative thoughts and feelings associated with dating. And so both CBT and mindfulness together helps you to be able to recognize what the feelings are and the negative thoughts that you're having in the moment. And it gives you an opportunity to be able to respond to those thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that you're now aware of instead of being reactive to them and then going home later on and going, oh my God, why did I do that? Or why did I say that? Right, right. So Shaman, isn't it kind of like reframing, like if I'm nervous about a date and um, and I think, oh, is he going to like me? Is he not going to like me? Oh, maybe he won't like me. It's kind of like reframing and just saying, hey, I'm here to have fun. And whether it works or not, it's, it's okay. And, you know, or, or if he says something, I'm going to reframe it that, that maybe that isn't what he meant. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's so many different ways that you can use this. But yes, being able to challenge some of these thoughts that you're having. One of the things I like to tell my clients is thoughts are not fact. Right. But until you can really take that in and recognize that just because you're thinking it doesn't mean that it's true, um, you are going to be led by those thoughts. And so, yes, you being able to say, oh, my gosh, she's not going to like me, um, and then say, wait a minute. I'm just going on a date with this person. It's about me getting to know him and, and him getting to know me as well. And I have no idea whether we're going to like each other. This is an opportunity. Right, right. And to and and it's so nice, at least if you're on a date, you can even ask. So if someone says something to you, you can ask them, like, help me understand what you mean by that, instead of assuming right away that they think that you're an idiot or something like that. You know, I think I think that's one of the things is that when we do so much online dating, we're not used to really communicating at a deep level to kind of clarify what the other person is thinking even, you know. Yes, you're exactly right. I agree with what you're saying 100%. So, yes, it gives you that the chance to tune into how you're feeling. Somebody you're on a date and he says something that makes you have a negative that uh, you have an unpleasant reaction to uh, internally, you're, you're, you're emotionally responding to it, you being able to pull back and say, all right, um, I feel a little offended by that. Let me clarify. Yeah. What did you mean when you said that? Right, right. Yeah. And and that's the one thing I'm, I'm noticing when we go out to dinner, my husband and I will be talking and we'll be next to someone else and they're texting each other back and forth at dinner. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. what kind of communication is that? <laughs> so, I mean, I get it that, that the younger generation is really so into technology. And, you know, I've become like that, too. I mean, I'm tethered to my iPhone and so is my husband. But um I just wonder how that's really changing things, and, and and maybe that's why it's such a good push to be mindful, to really be in that moment. And, and so many of us are so distracted by life, whether it's technology or whatever, th- that we don't really listen to the other person. 
That's right. You, you're not paying attention to what the other person is really saying or what they're meaning. You're, you're instead, you know, just reacting to your own thoughts and feelings. And, and there are so many different ways to be distracted today. You've got your phones, you've got TV, you've got, you know, your tablets, your computer. You have your own thoughts. And we go around on autopilot. We don't even realize how we're getting from one place to another. We get somewhere and we're like, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> I don't remember any part of this past trip uh, that I took to get to wherever I, I, I just got to. So yes, being able to turn off autopilot and tune in to what's happening in the moment is, is really powerful. And it gives you... Um, it, it, it gives you the chance to be able to choose what it is that you want to do in that moment instead of just going around and, and automatically doing things and then later on having regrets. Yeah, yeah. And I think mindfulness is finally getting its, um, you know, the attention that it's really needed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I yeah, noticed... So no, it's not new, but I mean the fact that we're, we're right, but but if we're looking at it like a a you know as part of a critical factor. You know, many many years ago when I was in college, I took I took a transcendental meditation, and I have continued to meditate. And I, I'm really doing it a lot now, more than I even did for, I did before I had kids, and then it kind of was hard, which I'm sure you're familiar how hard it is when you got little kids. But then I, I've gotten back to it, and I can tell for myself that as I am doing some of the mindfulness meditation, it lasts throughout the day so that if crazy something happened, like you and I just had this challenge with this technology between us. And you know what? It is what it is, right? I mean, and I think... We're not going to get rid of it. It is what it is. So it's about learning how to be able to find balance with it. And you're so right. It doesn't take a lot of time. People feel like they need to sit and do hours worth of meditation to be able to get, you know, what they need, um to get some kind of a mindful presence. But even if you're doing three minutes in the morning, uh, kind of sitting with your thoughts and focusing on your breathing, you're going to get tons from just those three minutes of, of devoting that time to yourself. And that would be a good thing to do before you go out on a date. I know before I go into a, a high conflict you know, mediation, which I, you know, sit in the middle of everybody trying to help them resolve disputes. I always do a, a mindfulness, you know, a few minutes to just center on my breathing so that I walk in. And that would be a good thing to do before dating, don't you think? Oh, yeah, that's my number one piece of advice yeah. uh, for anyone who is experiencing some kind of distress around dating. Take a little bit of time before that date and... Do a brief meditation. You don't have to take a lot of time doing it. Do a quick meditation or breathing exercise or other mindful activity. And so what's so great about mindfulness is it's not limiting. You can do anything mindfully, really. So before you go on your date and you hop in the shower, you can be mindful. There's so many sensory things happening in the shower. You know, there's the water, the sound of the water, how it feels on your body, the temperature, you know, the smell of the soap or... Um, the texture of the bubbles, and you being able to pay attention to all of those things and refocus yourself on that once you acknowledge a thought might be coming into your mind, and then you observing that thought and letting it go and then focusing on 
you know, the shower and the way that it feels and smells um, is a great way for you to practice mindfulness. It's something you have to do anyway. Yeah, so exactly. I While you're doing it. I don't have time. Right. To, While you're doing whatever you're doing. Mindfulness. You yeah. can do it brushing your teeth. Right. You can do it taking a shower. You can do it eating your breakfast. Right. You can do it walking. Right. You know, um, Mark Robert Waldman has been on my show, and he's he's written several books on the brain. Okay, he's a he's a neuropsychologist and a neuro researcher. And I'm going to share with you. I don't know if you know this, but the fastest way to reset your brain to get really calm is to yawn. That's the research that they've done at Harvard and they've done it at Marymount. And so yawning a few times before you get in the car or before you, you know, open the door to <laughs> for a date, that's another way to just really reset your brain that mammals. I know my dogs, when my dogs got all excited about something and then they calm down, they yawn. It's a way wow, to... Wow, re- that's great. That's a great tip, Mari. I didn't know that. And it's so quick. He teaches it to his MBA students as well. You know, when you're in the midst of a crisis, make yourself yawn. You know, you might have to turn around so people don't think you're bored. But, (laughs) but, you know, the the slow breathing and breathing into your solar plexus and all that is great. But the fastest way is really the the yawns. You could try that with your clients. Yeah, I do that when I'm in with very high conflict people i tell them about the research and then if you can imagine them and their attorneys are looking at me like i'm nuts but um but yeah i say let's all yawn you know and see what it does (laughs) they go yeah i do feel a little more relaxed (laughs) so what are some common mistakes that people make when they're dating shaman oh my goodness so you mentioned one earlier my number one pet peeve is bringing your smartphone on your date with you if you're on a date with somebody, you're supposed to be connecting with them. And how are you going to connect with somebody if you're connected to everybody that you're connected to in the world via your smartphone? And even if you're not you know, on your smartphone and it's next to you on the date, when you see that ping or it lights up, it distracts you from what's happening in the here and the now. It distracts you from your date. And you're giving off a message to the person that you're with that they're not as important as what's happening on your cell phone. Now, there's some exceptions to that rule, right? If you have children and you need the babysitter to be able to contact you at any moment or you are a caregiver of some kind or a doctor on call, then yes, you can have your smartphone out. But otherwise, put your smartphone away. So that's my number one pet peeve. I think um, some other things that... um, I see a lot of my clients come to me with is um, having a laundry list of things that they want the person that they're dating to have, these qualities that they want for um, their, their, their girlfriend or their boyfriend to have, and they don't possess those qualities themselves. Mm. So you having those expectations that they're, gonna, they're going to um, you're, be able to check off a checklist of all of these different qualities, um, it distracts you from what it is that you have sitting in front of you and all of the other positive qualities that this person might have or all these other connections that you might have with this person or common interests that you might have with this person because they're not the right height or because they don't work or live in the right part of town. Right. Um, so that's another one. Um, talking about- but, but let me ask you something, uh, Shimin. Um, yeah. One of the things that that I learned, actually, when I met my current husband, who I've been with now 27 years, but 
after my divorce, I, I sat down and I wrote down what was important to me in a relationship and what I wanted my new love to, to be. And it wasn't materialistic stuff. It was stuff like cry with me at the movies, <laughs> stupid stuff maybe. No, but be sensitive, have a good sense of humor, those kinds of things. And you know what? I mean, you have to be careful what you say because I said I wanted somebody who had a lot of pain so that they were very compassionate. My husband has pains in every part of his body all the oh, time. Oh, literal pain. <laughs> yeah, I should have been. So be specific. But I do think that that helps to at least know what's, you know, what are you looking for in terms of what's really important to you at, at a soul level, not not at as a materialistic level, like you said, like where somebody lives or how much money they make or whatever. But But the type of personality that you want, I think that would be helpful. Without so having to check off. is needs. Yeah. Wants. Yeah. So when people make a list of what they want, like they want somebody who looks like The Rock, or, um, <laughs> you know, they want somebody who's got a, a, you know, a certain amount of money in their bank account. Right, right. Um, that is the materialistic stuff. That's the stuff that you need to kind of put to the side. But right. stuff that you need, that stuff that you just brought up, you know, good sense of humor, someone who is trustworthy, who is respectful, right. someone who um, is, has a, a good kind. Set of priorities. Yeah, those or, are needs. Right. And it's okay to have a list of that, those things. It's okay for you to, be, to identify what it is that you um, need to have in a partner and to go after that. So, yes. Yeah, I okay. Think, I think there's a difference between those two. Right, I wanted to clarify that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so when, when you look at men and women, do they make the same mistakes in dating, or are they really different? You know, I think typically men and women make a lot of the same mistakes, but there are some mistakes that I see women making um, more than men and some mistakes I see men making more than women. In particular, I see women uh, going into dates looking at the person that they're with um, and thinking that maybe they can change them. If he loves me, <laughs> then he will change for me. Right. Um, and that never works out. It's just not going to happen. So that's one thing I see more women doing than um, I see men doing. Um, and then, you know, something really simple that I notice that uh, women do, they have expect- expectations that men are going to um, – do certain things, you know, pull out their chair or um, pay for the dinner. Um, and it's okay for you to want someone who is a gentleman, but when they pay for the dinner because they're expecting the guy to pay for the dinner, they don't say thank you. Ah. <laughs> Common courtesy. Right. Be courteous. So that's something I see that women do. And on the other side, um, I think a lot of men make assumptions that, um, because a woman looks a certain way or she's smart or she's successful, that um, they're not going to be interested in you. And so they overlook these type of women. Mm. <laughs> right. Excuse me. Um, so these women who are possibly able to um, be interested in them are just overlooked. Yeah. So I guess maybe that's their fear or their insecurities that... That it, you know, that kind of talk, that kind of negative talk, that they have to reframe. That's that's mixing that mindfulness with that 
cognitive behavioral therapy is to just kind of remind yourself like, wait a minute, I haven't even, you know, I, I, I can just be myself. And if she likes me, then that's great. And if she doesn't, you know, I've made a friend or I've, I've learned something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then men also, I think, uh, more than women, lead with gifts. So they come into a date with someone that they don't even know and they're leading with gifts or trying to win the, the person over. And it comes off as superficial um, and um, kind of schmoozy and yeah. a little creepy. Right. Um, save that for when you're in the relationship with the person. Right, right. So how should one approach a first date? So, mindfully, of course, um, to me what that means is taking a little bit of time um, and uh, practice a little bit of mindfulness uh, before you go out on a date, like we talked about a little bit, a quick meditation, some kind of mindfulness activity, a breathing exercise, Um, and why this is important is because it helps you to become more aware of any negative thoughts or worries or stressors or other anxieties that... um, you might be bringing into the date with you, Mm -hmm. um, and it gives you the opportunity to manage it ahead of time. Um, And if it resurfaces while you're on the date, you're already aware of it, and you can respond to it in um, a more practical way than you would if you went into this this date without being mindful ahead of time and and just become reactive to it. So that's the first thing. Um, The next thing I would do is set an, an intention for the date. So what is it that you want to achieve on the date? And be really aware of what your motivation is. If you're going into the date saying, this is it, I need to find somebody tonight, and <laughs> okay. you are um, desperate, everything <laughs> on this one date, then you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. But if your motivation is, you know, I really want to see if there's a connection here, I want for this person to get to know who I am, and these are the things that are important for me to share with this person, then you are in a much different place. And this is really important if you tend to get a little sloppy when you date um, because you're nervous and you drink too much. So setting an intention maybe for um, I'm going to have two drinks and that's it um, can, can give you, um, you know, what you need to be able to practice a little restraint on yeah. your date. And like when you're talking about having an intention, just have an intention to be curious about the other person and just have fun and uh-huh. just just exactly. learn, right? I mean, not take it so seriously. Just say, right. okay, I'm I'm going to have fun no matter what. You know, I'm going to ask questions and really listen to the answers and be curious about this person, right? I think curiosity is so important and. Um, that's, you know, one of the things that people do on dates also, right? They talk all about themselves, and they're not spending an equal amount of time getting to know the other person who they're sitting with. So, yeah, setting that intention um, is really important. And then, you know, take the pressure away from yourself um, and remove that need for the date to go well. You know, be be there for the date and, um, you know, see what comes out of it. Um, and like you said, just have fun. Yeah. And, and then I think it's also important to take it seriously. I think a lot of times, especially with online dating, because there's so much access to people um, and there's so many dates to be had, um, you don't take it as seriously and you just kind of wing it and fly by the seat of your pants. Right. And I had a friend of mine say the other day that 
you know, you should plan it like a business meeting instead of winging it. You know, if you go to a, a potential uh, business partner and not show up prepared for it, and of course this is not a business meeting, but show the person that you're with that you respect their time and you care enough to put a little effort in. Right. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. As long as you're there, you know, just even if you're not attracted to that person once you're there, you could still be nice and make a friend, and you never know what, what will happen from that. Well, or a we, connection of some other sort, right? Yeah. You, know, you might know someone that they know. You never know who it is that you're sitting across, and so it might not be a love connection, but it might be a business connection, or it might be a new friend, or it might be the cousin of, you know, the person who works down the street at the bodega. You don't know. Yeah, and that's a perfect way to end it because, believe it or not, we are out of time. So I just want to mention your book again, which is a wonderful, called Seeking Soulmate, Ditch the Dating Game and Find Real Connection by Shamin Ajan. And Shamin, just uh, give us your website and it's time to go. All right, my website is uh, simple. It's shaminajan.com, C-H-A-M-I-N-A-J-J-A-N. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And the book is sold everywhere books are sold. But, of course, you can find it on amazon.com also. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we will stay in touch. You take care, okay? Thank you so much, Mari. It was great talking with you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.